Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, if you'll take your um, copy of God's Word and turn to Job chapter 42. It's the last chapter in Job. Um, as we finish up, again, the third part in our sermon, three-part sermon series, uh, Job. Um, renewal and rebirth. Um, that is what we are focusing on this morning as we go um, to the text. Uh, this morning, if you'll find your place uh, again in God's Word, we're going to read um, the text uh, before we begin to study it this morning. So let us again go to Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, and then 10 through 17. Then Job replied to God, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him a prosperous, made him prosperous again, and gave him twice as much as he had had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate, ate with him in his house. They comforted and uh, consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. And each one of, one of them gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. Then the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke and oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters, the first daughter he named Jeremiah, the second, Keziah, and the third, Karen Hapuk. Nowhere in all the land were, the were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to their fourth generation. And so he died old and full of years. Well, as we put a, a close or a period or maybe a comma at the end of our story or of our study here in the book of Job, 
We come to think, uh, or at least I want us to think this morning about heroes. You know, if you think about it, every hero has a moment, has uh, an instance in their lives, in their journey, in which they, they have a fall or they, they have a, a struggle, some um, earth-shattering event. Now, and, and oftentimes it is of their, it's not of their choosing. Oftentimes it's uh, maybe a something that's happened to them. Maybe it's something that's been brought upon them. Maybe it's some big challenge, obviously. Um, if we are a big fan of comic books or those series, we get to see more than just one. Uh, we get to see multiple occasions in which they seem to be uh, fallen and, and maybe have no way out, and, and then yet they find a way out, which is what ultimately makes them, at least in our eyes, or at least in society's eyes, a hero. And it, it causes me to reflect a little bit on some of those stories and some of the choices. I think about Spider-Man. I think about how many times he had all the, the stakes against him, and he was nothing much more than a young teenager, really, if you think about it. Um, Peter Parker um, being uh, bitten by that radioactive spider. We won't spend all morning recounting his story, but there's an, there's an instance in the comics where he chooses to basically become Spider-Man no more. He, 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 is just, he has just been so overcome with the responsibility that, that comes with, with having the power. Um, in fact, there's that so uh, famous phrase, with great power comes great responsibility. And the responsibility became too much for him. And so there he chooses at one point to basically become Spider-Man no more. We think about uh, Superman and how... Uh, how many times that he was challenged. And obviously, we think about how powerful he was and how he kept it hidden for, by, being, uh, by being one of us and putting the glasses on and being Clark Kent. Uh, we think about how he was um, exposed with kryptonite and how kryptonite not only made him normal, but made him very susceptible. And there were many times in which being in, in the presence of kryptonite, that he was um, up against it, if you will. Uh, I think about other heroes. I think about Batman. I think about how in the, the, the series of, of Batman, he was called the Dark Knight. He didn't get that phrase because he came out at night. He, he, he did that because he chose to be sometimes the one who would take the blame. Someone, sometimes the one who would take uh, the responsibility of, of some of the things that Gotham did not want or did not approve of or did not think they needed. And oftentimes it was that dark night that was needed to come to their rescue, but he was considered hunted or an enemy at times. Well, the story of Job in some ways reads as a hero story. It reads a little bit like maybe one of our comic books, and obviously in a much different form. But there is definitely a challenge, many challenges he faces. He seems at times to be up against it with no direction to turn, and, but then, then there's this story today in which we read not only does he seem to get to the end of his journey, at the end of his life, with his, his relationship with God restored, 
But more than that, he receives double the life. The Word tells that he lives 140 years. Twice what we expect people nowadays to live. And we see all the Lord does to bless him. In some ways, Job's story of the hero is maybe a little more applicable to us than we might first think. I think the reason that oftentimes Christians will navigate and find themselves in the book of Job is because, in a lot of ways, Job's just like one of us. He's an ordinary guy. He didn't have any superhuman powers. I mean, obviously, we think about the ultimate hero of our faith, Jesus Christ, who had the cross. You know, that was his big challenge. Not to mention that he had many other times in, in his ministry in the, when he hit that age of 33 and went out and finally started his, his ministry, his, his preaching and his teaching and his miracles. How many times did it seem as though he was up against it and, and took... Uh, miracle after miracle to prove his, his power, to prove his might. And yet, we see him get to the end of his journey. and We see the cross as the ultimate sign of, of our faith. But, when it comes to Jesus, we, we know he was human, but we also know he was divine. And so there's a part of us, while we can definitely relate to Jesus and his humanity... There's a part of us that can't identify because we can't be Jesus. But we all can be Job, right? There's nothing necessarily extraordinary about his, uh, his humanity, his capabilities. He didn't have any superhuman powers. He was an ordinary guy. Even his name is simple. Job. <laughs> Three letters. Although something ought to tell us What's going to happen when we look at what his name actually means in Hebrew? It means persecuted or hated one. So that ought to give us a little bit of insight of what's going to happen. Oftentimes in the scripture, in a very intentional way, we see that the names have a lot to do with the stories. But Job becomes a hero to many within the Jewish culture and even in our Christian fellowship because of his ability to get through life. Seems pretty simple. Seems pretty ordinary. And yet, his story has remained intact for thousands of years and remains a story that often we go to when we are teaching ourselves about how to withstand the troubles of life and how to have a relationship with God that will endure whatever this world will throw at us. Each one of the superheroes he stories I mentioned have in common some great fall. But they likewise share in common a miraculous comeback. Superman finds a way to get rid of the kryptonite and defeats the enemy uh, Spider-Man finally gets it and he puts his mask back on and he goes back to being Spider-Man. Uh, Batman eventually saves the day and protects 
who he's been sent to protect. Jesus arose from the dead. And Job here, at the end of the book, chapter 42, gets a renewal. In some ways, gets a rebirth, gets a new start, a fresh beginning, and a whole new life. It is the overcoming of the great struggle that creates the hero. I know that's not often what we want to hear, but if we're going to be heroic or if we're going to do something of of great value in our lives and in our world, it requires some struggle. It requires some stakes. Something that we have to overcome. It was at Job's lowest point when he was wrestling with his relationship with God when he somehow finds the strength, albeit from a young man named Elihu. We see it near the end of the book of Job in several chapters after the three of his friends have tried to come and give him advice, albeit not very good advice, Here, this young man, this youth, this one that nobody would expect, comes along and and speaks a little bit of blunt truth to Job. Flip back with with me, if you will, um, if you've got your Bibles. It's not not that big of a deal. We're not going to spend that much time. But I want you to flip back, if you have your Bibles, to chapter 32. Look, if you will, at at verse 8. Elihu has just started speaking to Job. And he says in verse 8, But it is the Spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. It's not old age who are wise, but only the aged who understand what is right. You know, I think it's interesting that, again... we find ourselves at the end of the book of Job, and here is this young man who, after Job's three friends, who you would say might know Job, know his life, they might be his peers, if you will, they might be close to him in age, and they have given him advice and tried to tell him what to do and how to make his life right. And remember last week in our sermon series when we looked at Job and we looked at the struggle he was going through, one of the biggest things he sought during the the passage we studied last week, was to be in front of God. He wanted his time. He wanted his moment. He wanted to be able to approach the bench, if you will. He, He was, as a lawyer almost, wanting to approach the bench. He wanted to approach the judge. And he wanted to speak because he was convinced he had the right argument. He was convinced that he had lived a life blameless and upright enough. Remember, all the way back two weeks ago when we talked about Job's characters, we talked about how everyone in the land noticed how Job had an upright character, how he was blameless, how everyone looked to him to be the right kind of person, the right kind of guy, to be the guy who just seemed to have it all together. And here he is, believing all that mess, and he has come to to the point where he is ready to encounter God and speak to Him. Remember, he's having a hard time finding Him, which has a lot to do with where he finds himself in his own struggle. But we find ourselves here in chapter 32, 
in verse 8, where after hearing all of this, after experiencing all of this, here's this young man who comes to, to Job and tells him that it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding, not old age. He says, look, no matter what your friends are going to tell you, the only thing that matters is what, what's your soul saying deep down in your heart. If you really know God, if you really have a relationship with God, you'll find your way to Him. And you'll find your way to understanding. A couple chapters later, God finally speaks. Sets Job straight. And if we had the time, we'd look at the entire three or four chapters that God goes on to speak. But to sum it all up, he goes on to tell Job, where are you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I created the animals? Where were you when I created the plants and the trees? And where were you when I created the storms? Uh, where were you when I created water? Where were you when I created... And you can see and so on and so on and so on. Where were you when I created the very body that you find yourself in? Where were you? It sets Job in his place. God's words to Job in chapters 38 through 41 have reaffirmed Job's conviction of God's wisdom and, and of his gracious justice over the world. I mean, after all, the confession that we see in verse 2 that we read just a minute ago, I'll read, I'll read it again. In verse 2 of chapter 42, Job says, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. He has finally come to realize through the words of Elihu and then the words of, of God Himself that He has no power. That Job has no control over this life. That's the first place that we have to, to get in this life, in this world, in order to begin a relationship with God. Nevertheless, maintain it. If we ever find ourselves thinking that we are in control, thinking that we are somehow in, in, in the power, or, or, or even fool ourselves into thinking we would want that power, we find ourselves often very far from that breath, from that spirit that Elihu talked about. After all, the reason that Job struggled last week when we talked about Job's struggle, how he looked to the north, couldn't find him, looked to the south, couldn't find him, looked to the east, couldn't find him, looked to the west, couldn't find him, he couldn't find God. Because he thought he was in control and he thought it was his right to have that encounter with God. So, here we come to Job's confession in verse 2 where his faith perspective is that everything occurring on earth takes place in the framework of divine wisdom. It's a wisdom we won't understand. I might dare say can't understand because we are not divine. We are not God. 
We are mere mortals. I had my first understanding that I was not God when I was five years old. Dad told me to go upstairs and sit in my room. He'd be up there in a minute. Yeah. He got up there, started undoing his belt. I won't do no, go that far. But started undoing his belt, took it off, and proceeded to give me my first spanking. So what's wrong with me today? Well, I maintain. You know, I don't know if it was my first spanking. It's the first one I remember. You know what I also remember? When he was done, son, that hurt me more than it hurt you. It's the biggest lie a parent will ever tell a kid. I've not been a parent to spank a child. I had that privilege yet. But there's got to be something a little bit uh, we know. We know parents don't want to see their children cry. We know we don't want to see them in trouble. But you know what's necessary? But in some ways, you know, Job exhibits that kind of behavior as a child, looking back up at God, saying, "You think this hurts you as much as it hurts me? Well, why don't you come down here and try it, God?" I mean, that's in some ways what Job tells God. You know, and I think sometimes we, again, as I said last week, we, we grow up in a Christian family or we grow up in this area of the world, this part of the country, this Bible Belt, in which we grow up thinking that you have to be good and you have to be proper and you have to, you have to approach everything with due respect and... And so on and so on. And so we, we think that if we come to God with, it, with a question, we think if we come to God with a, a, a spirit of wrestling, a spirit of struggling with that relationship, that that's somehow wrong. And yet we see time after time after time in Scripture where heroes of our faith wrestled and, and struggled with God. And we know that Job felt that way. If God was supposed to favor Job so much, why did He let Job experience what He experienced? Why didn't He take Job's place? Why didn't He intervene in His suffering? But you see, what, you see what's true about that parent who is disciplining their child. The, the truth about that spanking that my dad gave me when I was five years old, that no matter how much it hurt, it was what was best. It was what I needed in order to learn the lesson. Well, Job finally realizes that he may never fully understand God's purposes and time, and time frame. After all, when I was five years old, I could not fathom, I could not put myself in my father's shoes and know what he was trying to really do. I knew that if I did what I was doing, I was going to get a spank. If I fought with my brother, if I, was, you know, if I hit my brother, I was going to get a spanking. That's what it led to the spanking. I got to fight my brother. I knew after I was caught with something I won't go into right now, when I was a senior in high school, that I wasn't going to get to go to prom. 
because I was in big trouble. I went to East Carolina. Trust me, I learned lots of lessons about things you aren't supposed to do in life. But I had to struggle in order to learn something. Well, Joe finally realizes that he may never fully understand God. But he realizes that that's secondary to what's most important. You see, Job had moved so dangerously close to the pride that ultimately separates us from God. The pride that primarily had grown in a way that made him think that he could judge God's motives. Somehow to reverse that parent-child relationship, to become the parent in the relationship. How many children convince themselves that that's the best plan of action? But here in verse 3, Job seems to have a much different attitude. He says, you asked, who was... Who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job exhibits great humility. He finally realizes that he's not even worthy enough to stand before God. I mean, here's a God who's created the, the very the very things he treasured that he lost. Job had no part in that. Job had no part in creating all the possessions that he lost. Job had no part of creating the relationships he had with his wife and his, his children. Job had no authority over his body and the disease and the afflictions that he, he caught and that he dealt with. When Job realizes that he, he has no control, and he realizes that God is God and he is not, he comes to exhibit a, a humility that is vital for maintaining a relationship with God. You see, before we can ever get to the point where we can allow ourselves to be led according to God's time and purpose, we have to acknowledge that we are not enough on our own. I mean, even as a church, take this for, for uh, uh, an example or for a thought. We can't come over here and think because we put... Um, Bill, the paint looks beautiful. It does. It looks great. I don't know if, I don't know if everybody has noticed we've got paint on the brick and it's all one color. It's beautiful. But that paint's not going to fill these pews. You know, the, the beautiful furniture that we have in this facility, the, the microphone I'm using right now, the screen that we're looking at, the, the office I, I've set up back there, the, the fellowship that we, we've set up with the tables and the couch and the TV, all the things we've now set up here at this facility, to this building, I've, I've talked about for several weeks, they're great tools, and we are so fortunate to have them, and, and, and the excitement of what we can do in this place, and, and, and the future that, that, that we envision in our minds, oh, it, it's, it's wonderful, and it's exciting, and just like two weeks ago, when I, I told some of my family and friends that when I came 
that Sunday a couple weeks ago and, and, and when we moved the last Sunday at the VFW, when we stood over there and we finished our services and then we started packing up and we moved over here, you guys looked like it was Christmas. I mean, you guys were excited. It was like you were opening up a package. I mean, you just couldn't wait to tear the paper open and to, and to take the bow off. And, and here you were. You were finally where you had envisioned and dreamed for years. But what now? You know, on Christmas morning, growing up, I couldn't wait to go downstairs and open presents, tear off the paper, and start playing with my toys. But a week after Christmas, some of those toys stopped getting played with. Sat around for them a whole another 360 day, well, for a whole another year, until Christmas came around again. I think my parents could actually probably get away with taking the same toys and putting them down there and wrapping them back up and let me open them again because that's how sometimes it works with kids. Play with things for about a week and then it's over with. So what do we do? What do we do as a church? What do we do as a people? When, things, when life starts to look a little good, we get our first promotion in our job and we start to think things are going well. We start to think we have a little bit more to do with our success than we may actually have. See, Job had to get to the point where he realized he wasn't God and he was not in control. He had to have humility. And when Job experiences this vision of God and the storms that he has experienced, It fills him with a sense of wonder and awe, reducing his complaints to utter insignificance. When we do finally take a glimpse of the size of our struggle in comparison to what God has conquered in this world, we start to realize that maybe, maybe we can deal with this. I mean, after all, consider all the things that God has overcome. I shouldn't have to say anything more than he overcame death. Something that none of us are going to be able to overcome on our own. He sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus was beaten. given a crown of thorns, nailed to a cross to hang there for hours until either he suffocated on his own blood or he just had no more blood to give. And then he was placed in a grave and then three days later He rose. See, God did that. God did that. Can't God do a lot of other things? Where does our struggle line up with that? Maybe it's close to that. Maybe it feels like we're close to death. 
There are times in this life we do, we feel that way. When we finally take a glimpse at the size of our struggles, where do we find ourselves? When we experience the storms in this life, I pointed out a couple of weeks ago, often we withdraw. We want to be left alone. Sometimes it's because we don't want to burden anybody else. Sometimes it's because we don't know anything else to do. And other times it's because we think that nobody can understand and nobody can do anything to help. We still exhibit a certain amount of control over our lives, thinking as though we can somehow deal with it on our own. We fool ourselves into becoming self-sufficient. But what Job realizes is that, as verse 6 says, he is no better than the dust and the ashes on which he finds himself sitting on. It says he despises himself and he repents. It's not that Job stopped caring and loving himself. He, he, he came to realize that the actions that he had exhibited when he was talking with his friends, the, that pride that had taken him so far away from God that he couldn't find him in the north, the south, the east, the west, That lie that he had bought into, that he could somehow restore himself, that's what he despised. That's what he came to hate, to came to loathe, came to want to get rid of. So he takes a different course of action. If we try on our own to pull ourselves out of the deepest, darkest sorrows, we'll find that it's near to impossible. We have to learn a lesson here from Job and realize that in spite of how the world might have seen him, including God himself in chapter 1, no matter what kind of character he thought that he had, as I've said for several weeks, it could only get him but so far. His strength and endurance was nothing compared to God. So why make any struggle harder by trying to be self-sufficient, to trying to be in control of, of things we have no power over? Why not start to trust in God and His timing? A mysterious and, and quite often... opposite understanding and timing than we would ever imagine. And don't be mistaken, the internal struggle, the wrestling with God, that was, wasn't easy for Job. It was something we look at thousands of years later and we jump like, I mean, heck, we've gone from Job and his brilliant character to Job and his struggle to Job renewal in three weeks, 42 chapters. I was talking with um, Joe after service last week. We could spend a whole year on the book of Joe, really. And all that he went through. But it all gets boiled down when we take a look here in chapter 42 at where he is at the end of his journey. 
Not only did Job find his way out of the suffering, but he became blessed more than he had ever been blessed before. I want you to pay really close attention here to to the doubling of Job's estate. If we were to go back and look and see what he had in chapter 1, we'll see, we'll note he has double what he had. He gets double the life. He lives to 140 years. He gets another wife. He gets more children. It's not a reward. I want everybody to to really notice this. This It's not a reward for somehow getting at the end of his journey and not doing this or that. It was God's way of providing for Job. It wasn't his way of patting him on the back saying, good job. It's a direct expression of the life-giving, life-providing love and mercy that God has. It's a direct representation of the personality of God. A God who, who, who doesn't take pleasure in suffering, doesn't take place and doesn't take pleasure in the struggles that we, we endure. Quite the opposite. He longs to provide and give us such abundance. I mean, look at what he did and the story of the creation and how much he gave us, all that he gave us. And it was us who messed it all up. It was our ultimate struggle with thinking we were in control. We were somehow God. The story here at the end of Job is an example of God finally reaching on the other side of that door and grabbing us in, our, in his arms and, and telling us how much he loves us. You remember last week I talked about my parents you know, locking me on the other side of the door when I kept getting up in the night? And how I told you my parents were probably on the other side of the house sleeping like a rock? That's here in Job, Chapter 42, God's finally reaching his arms around that door and he's saying to Job, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. What if Job had gotten to the end of his journey in a much different way? What what if he never came to realize what he came to realize? Would God have given him what what he finds himself here at the end? Questions that maybe we'll always have. But if all that did happen, Job would not have been the hero who came to become and this story would not be shared thousands of years later. I happen to believe that that God would have still found a way to somehow restore Job because in spite of all the repeated sins of this world, despite how many times we choose to go our own path and our own way, He still finds a way reach on the other side of that door, to reach through the gulf of whatever we put between ourselves and God 
and grab us in his arms and tell us he loves us. Tell us everything's going to be okay. After all, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that here on October 18th, 2015, I could stand before you today and proclaim I have an eternal hope in the everlasting God who has enough love and compassion and grace and mercy to overcome whatever we might do to separate ourselves. Be encouraged today by the story of Job, a man who had everything only to lose everything and truly realize what was worth everything in a relationship with God. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, it's a tough lesson to learn. I know how this life seems to get tough. I mean, even as we sit here right now, beginning to think about our own struggle, it wouldn't take long for us to realize there's somebody sitting beside us with probably a, an even bigger struggle. But let us choose today not to get into how big is your struggle and how big is my struggle and whose is bigger and which is worse and who needs more help. Help us rather to focus on the, on the love and compassion of, of a God that is merciful, is gracious, and compassionate. Help us to realize what is worth in you, everything, just as Job did. Even the 140-some years that he ended up living was not what was ultimately important. What was ultimately important was his relationship with God. What ultimately became important to Job was, was that he realized that, that he was not God and that he was going to start putting his trust and faith And the one who created the very option for us to have trust and faith. The option to choose life over death, hope over despair, everlasting life versus separation from God. Life's hard enough to do on our own. Come and help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.